Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by the National Pork Board, Intervention, Crystal Spring, Johnsonville Foods, High Pork Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com, brought to you by American Resources. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Rota, and joining me today is Dr. Jose Ramirez. How are you doing today, Jose? I'm doing good, Matthew. How about you? Really good. Excited to talk about biosecurity and disinfectants, and we got some good questions lined up. Before we jump into that, could you tell me a little bit about your background, how you got involved in animal ag, and a little bit about how this specific point in animal ag became your focus? Yeah, sure. So um, by training, I, I'm a completely different background to, to, to anybody I've met in the industry. I'm originally a mechanical in engineer. Uh, and then I, uh, I did my graduate studies, uh, a master's PhD in chemical engineering. So really I'm a chemical guy at the end of the day, uh, spent, uh, 25 years in the, in the, in the, in the chemical industry, but I started my career, uh, formulating, uh, chemical disinfectants, um, for the human health field. So basically disinfectants for hospitals, and so we're going back uh, late '90s. Um, we started doing this with a with a small company in Canada, uh, which is now not so small. And it's called Virox Technologies. And um, let's say our claim to fame was the development of the first commercial, um, let's say, uh, viable chemical disinfectant based on hydrogen peroxide. And, uh, you know, for the next 15 or so years, our focus was in the, the development of different applications of that technology, uh, in, but all in the human health hospital world, right? So, you know, hospital ward uh, disinfection, uh, surgical instrument disinfection, we kind of expanded into a parallel uh, um, uh, field, which was uh, uh, dental care so you know again uh sterilization of dental instruments and you know the, the, the dental uh, office if you will and so on so so that was my let's say my training in the field of quote unquote human biosecurity which they call i mean that's not an attractive term for for humans they call it infection <laughs> control right in in hospitals um was basically in that field so development developing uh, disinfectants in that field. And um, after a while, um, I was working on something else. I, I wasn't working for the original Virox Technologies for a while, but I was doing some personal projects. Uh, I was doing stuff in wastewater treatment, just stuff that had interested me. And um, uh, the, the principles at Virox 
uh, we're trying to get into the into the area of animal health because you know by logic, hey, you know, infection control is a need in human health. Well, infection control is also a need in animal health, right? And so specifically when you're talking about companion animals, small animals, right? So the, the similarities between a veterinary clinic for small animals and an actual hospital or human clinic are, are, are quite substantial. So, you know, they were quite successful doing that, but they had some difficulty uh, expanding the technology into the uh, production animal space because there is completely different. And so some of the things are resonated with customers and the sectors and human and, and small small animal um, clinics didn't really resonate with you know people in the production space with people now talking about you know large scale biosecurity in a farm operation and so you know they, they reached out to me to see whether I could help them do that and that's how I got introduced into the let's say the agricultural world uh, now I'm talking 2018 never I had never been on a farm, uh, large scale farm before, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I, I would consider myself what, what, uh, some of the colleagues in the animal world would later refer to as a city boy. Um, <laughs> you know, never been out in these, um, yeah, never been out in these farms. So I actually went through a pretty steep learning curve, visiting a lot of farms, a lot, a lot of swine farms in that first year and, and sort of learning, okay, you know, how are the processes, how are the operations, so that then we could think about, okay, what are the key issues and why, well, what can we do to make the industry better from the biosecurity? So that's long answer, but that's kind of how I got into it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's cool to see it came from the kind of the, the healthcare space and you never were thinking animal agriculture. You got into it, had to learn, you're coming from a completely different lens. Um, obviously we can't sterilize the room every time we have a piglet come out, right? And so it's it's different problems, different different perspective. Uh, before we jump into today's topic any further, I have a few questions I like to ask. The first one's going to be, what is your favorite sports team that you root for? Do you have one? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah. So, 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 uh, so my, my big sport is, and, and, you know, I'm originally from Venezuela. So uh, Venezuela is a, uh, is a big baseball country. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've always followed baseball. I'm also a big soccer fan because uh, soccer is also an, an important sport in Venezuela. But having been here in the U.S. for 20 plus years now, actually almost 30 years now, oh, yeah, 30 years now, um, I've come to appreciate uh, U.S. sports. Uh, I actually went to school in Colorado, so I'm a big Colorado oh, good fan, year for of you. course. Uh, see you, Buffaloes. Yeah, Coach Prime, we coming, we coming. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so right now we're in a little bit of a high with the, with the CU sports program. So definitely that's the one. Now I have my oldest daughter just moved down to Tuscaloosa. So roll tide. Um, unfortunately, uh, she's not in as good. Yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> not in as good mood as I am right now. <laughs> what is the, what is the top baseball player from Venezuela? Oh you, boy. You know? There's several. I would have to say, um, Probably either Ozzy Guillen, uh, Chicago White Sox. Um, he also he also coached the White Sox to their first World Series in a long time. Um, so yeah, so I'm a, I follow the White Sox, of course, or maybe David Concepcion back in the '70s from the Big Red Machine, Cincinnati Reds. Uh, he is a shortstop. This short in Venezuela, as we were kids, everybody wanted to play short, shortstop because throughout <laughs> the history, it's all been shortstops, right? So you got you know. 
Omar Vizcale, you got Ozzy Gui, and you got David Concepcion, all these guys. So, yeah, so th- I would say those are the top two players. What's your go-to drink when you're trying to kick back and relax? Oh, you know what? I like beer, um, yeah. but I don't like uh, I don't like craft beers or not, you know, this fancy stuff. I like actually traditional beers. I like Belgian beers. Yeah. Um, I, I spent quite a bit of time in Europe, and so uh, I would say, you know, Belgian beers are the best. I would say uh, Leffe, L-E-F-F-E, is probably my favorite beer. Uh, Leffe Blonde is probably my favorite beer. Yeah, Belgium definitely, I think, has the world uh, the world title for best beers, in my opinion. Like, there's a place down in Brussels called Delirium. Hundreds yeah. of beers on tap. It's freaking yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and actually, there's a good uh, beer called Delirium Tremens. It's, uh, I think yes. it's 10.8% alcohol, you know? Not cheap, but it is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what If you had to sing karaoke at a bar, what would be your go-to karaoke song? Oh, man. You know what? I actually won a karaoke contest in Japan. No way. Uh, so this was, oh, yeah, wow. This is, <laughs> this is like a company function, right? So at the time, I was with a company called Diversity, and uh, I used to travel a lot. And, uh, and so anyway, we, we were there with a Japanese team, and so we were doing some team meetings. And then at the end of the night, they said, well, you know, we got a karaoke, you know, karaoke is big here in Japan. I said, oh, all right. So anyway, so I actually ended up winning the contest with a song by Foreigner. Um, I don't know what the name of the song is, but it's basically that song that says, I've been waiting for a girl like you. You yeah. know this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That song. I don't remember the name, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah awesome. but you know this song. Hey, yeah. You're the first karaoke champion we've ever had on the podcast. This is cool. <laughs> there you go. Well, hopefully you won't have me sing. <laughs> what is you've traveled a lot so i'll let you pick either or what is your favorite place you've ever visited or your bucket list for your next trip oh it's tough to pick a favorite place yeah um i i travel like i said i travel a lot to europe um and specifically to the netherlands um i'm a big uh cyclist you know like sports cycling and the Netherlands and Belgium are kind of like the mecca of, of yeah. world cycling, right? So I really enjoy going there. Um, uh, I keep a bike over there. So whenever I go, you know, I, 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 I like cycling uh, in the Netherlands and, and in Belgium because, you know, you have all these traditional races there, that stuff that, you know, courses that you, roads that you see on TV, and then you actually go and actually get to ride them. So I would have to say that. And then, of course, we talked about the beer. So, yeah, you know, that's another reason. Yeah. Awesome. Well, to get into today's topic around biosecurity and disinfectants, uh, can be very scientific. There's a lot of different paths, but I think we got a good one for today. Given your background in the human health disinfection space, what are some key learnings from the human health side that you felt could transfer over well to the veterinary or animal production side? Well, um, that's a good question, Matthew. So, I, I would say that at the end of the day, the objective in in both the human health world and in the animal farming uh, world is the same, which is is to uh, what we say break the chain of transmission, right? And so, you know, basically, you have reservoirs of 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 of, of disease, if you will, where you have some type of pathogen lying in wait, if you will. And then when the when the conditions are favorable for transmission, that's when you have an issue because once transmission is enabled, now you have colonization 
of the susceptible host. And now, you know, that's where the person gets sick or the animal gets sick. And then you have all the issues associated with that. So clearly the objective is the same in both worlds, right? The difference is, is that how you achieve that in a, in a human setting versus how you achieve that in a farm setting is very different because the conditions, of course, and, and you alluded to this before, are, are quite different. The let's say the 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 processes are quite different, right? The training and the individuals uh, in charge are also quite different, and so that, the sort of the, the difference that or the devil lies in the details, like 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 they say, right? Yeah. What are some of the things when you when you stepped in, you started to visit some of these farms? What were the things around disinfectants? or biosecurity that really surprised you uh, where we thought we were doing a good job, but you were like, Oh my goodness. Like there's some common, like basic stuff here that we're not, we're not seeing. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a great question. So it, in my first visit to, to, to a swine farm, uh, well, first of all, the first thing that I learned is that you actually have to take shower. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before you go in, right? And so now you got, you know, so we got, you know, a couple of guys there in a shower room. And it was like, okay, you know, what's this? So, um, <laughs> so that was interesting learning. Uh, not, not to mention, by the way, when you, when we, you know, that, the first time I went, I came out on the clean side. And so, you know, of course you have to leave your clothes on the, on the dirty side. I come out on the clean side. And so they have, you know, these bins there with clothes that you, that, that, that you wear. And so, of course, you know, I, I, I made the mistake of not reading carefully which one was the clean clothes and which ones were the soil clothes. And so at the end of the visit, when I was coming back after everything is said and done, I discovered that I actually was wearing, I, I chose the clothes from the soil clothes. <laughs> the good news was that I decided not, I decided not to choose underwear. So anyway, so that was, I guess, the, the, the silver lining. Um, but the biggest surprise to me was when you go into the farm and you see that people are, you know, they're very diligent about, you know, uh, execution of the cleaning and disinfection and how to, you know, using the spray, the power washing equipment and all that. So that's great. But there was very little awareness as to how the disinfectant is prepared um, when you are using power washing equipment. So in other words, what is the concentration that you're using? Um, in the veterinary world, uh, for some reason, there is more focus on using the right amount of disinfectant per square feet, right? So in other words, use whatever ounces of product per square feet, you know, and make sure that's the dosage, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the language that, that is used in, in, in veterinary disinfection in general, yeah? but, but specifically in the farm environment. And there's sort of the, the, the actual concentration that you're using is an afterthought. People assume, oh, the concentration, yeah, I just put it here in the power washer, I fill this tank here, and now I spray and it should be fine. Well, <laughs> it turns out that I don't think I ever found a farm that was actually using the right concentration. Um, because, you know, whether you had a chemical injector on the wall and you're putting it through there or you were using it, by, by the way, in most cases, you're using the actual power washing machine that yeah. has a little detergent tank that you feel, right? Which you might even be diluting. Which, by the, 
Right, right, right. Yeah. And by the way, these machine these machines are for typically washing vehicles or washing your you know your your concrete pad in your house or whatever, right? And so it turns out that typically these machines are dialed in for a detergent, typically one ounce per gallon or something like that, right? And when I say dialed in, well, that's how it's designed. So there's a the, the way these things work, the way a chemical injector works is that there's actually a nozzle that creates a suction effect. It's called a Venturi effect. And then there's a side stream that is actually introducing the disinfectant into that sort of Venturi uh, uh, a power wash stream, that water stream, right? And it actually matters what the diameter of that side stream tube is. And typically, if you actually look at a, at a, at a, at a quote-unquote chemical injector, there is a small plastic part inside that has an orifice. It's called a tip. And the size of that orifice will determine how much flow will go into the passing water stream and therefore what the concentration will be. And people didn't realize that these things have a tip in there and the tip has to be right. And so it has to be calibrated so that you get the right concentration. So yeah, you know, it's great that you, that you ensure that you're getting the right amount of milliliters per square foot but you also have to ensure that you have the right concentration in those milliliters per square foot. Otherwise, you're not doing it. You're either wasting a lot of money or a lot of product, or you're not providing enough concentration to provide the kill that you're expecting. Gotcha. That is, uh, yeah, I never would have. I know when we were doing the disinfectant, it was, yeah, you stuck the, the hose into the power washer, you sucked out of the, out of, out of the tub, and that was the first time I'd heard of checking the orifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, th- th- there are some there are some farms where um, y- y- you have maybe a manual preparation, right? So, yep. so they will they they will they will they will mix the the concentrate with the water and the drum and then they will kind of feed from that. That's less common. Most 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 places will have like already a piping distribution uh, network affixed to the ceiling and etc. and um you know, you either go with 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 a connector from from tap to tap, or but 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 most cases you have like a central a centralized um, system like that. And like I said, and this is also true in 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 truck washes, by the way. Yeah, you know where where in truck washes you have most of the time, if it's a truck wash that 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 washes a a, a respectable number of trucks per day, they will have a centralized system and they'll have a chemical injector, and you know. And the chemical injector, sure, you know, it, it has a little hose that goes into their chemical room, into a drum and so on. But many times, uh, in fact, I say many times, in, in, in all my visits, I never found a place that was using the right concentration. It was either too much and they were just wasting a lot of money or it was too little and they were placing their system at risk because they weren't achieving full disinfection. Were most too much yeah. or too few? Where did people lean? Was it all over the board? No real, no real tendency. I think in general, there's a lot of wastage of product. Um, people using more product than they should, and it creates an interesting conversation for the salesperson because, and and also for the for the um, accounting department, all right, or the procurement department on 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 the on the on the integrator side because 
it's an elegant conversation when you when you talk to the salesperson and they say, well, you know, the dilution of this is one ounce per gallon or half an ounce per gallon. And, you know, and you use whatever number of milliliters per sow or whatever, and you can make a nice calculation in a spreadsheet and say, oh, okay, we're going to spend whatever, you know, $50,000 a year in disinfectant. Okay, so that's a great calculation. That's great. But the reality is that's not what happens in reality. So like I said, when you go and measure what they're doing in most farms and most truck washes, they might be consuming two, three, or four times that, right? Mm. And so then at the end of the year, that cost for chemical comes, comes in at 200000 And it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, I mean, we, I thought, it, but nobody goes back and checks, right? I think now companies are getting a bit smarter about that check. Um, but, you know, I think that a little bit of effort spent in making sure that your equipment is correct and your, and your, and your training is, is up to speed uh, certainly will save a lot of money. It's fairly compelling when somebody who works for a disinfectant company comes and tells you, hey, you're you're wasting disinfectant, right? Because you're almost saying, yeah, you should spend less money on our product because you 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 can, right? So that's fairly compelling, uh, not something that most companies would be BSing about. <laughs> so that's a critical area where producers can um, either improve to prevent outbreaks, um, or the transmission of disease, or save a lot of money. What are some other areas where producers can focus to reduce outbreaks and the transmission? So, to me, there, there's there's a there's a couple of things. So, the the first area has to do with the let's say the general protocol, the general procedure itself, right? And so, um, one thing that kind of gets lost is uh, the importance of clean, the importance of proper clean. And uh, I mean the importance of cleaning as a previous step to disinfection, right? Um, because what, what, what happens a lot is because of time pressures, because of productivity pressures, et cetera, uh, many times operations forego the cleaning process uh, or, or a proper cleaning process, right? And so in other words, whereby uh, you'd probably get a better outcome if you're applying a clean detergent first, right? And then you rinse and then you apply your disinfectant. Oh, uh, so after time you, you wash the room, so, so real quick, after you wash a room, then apply a clean detergent, rinse, and then disinfect? No, so I mean, your first step, when you, when you, when you come into, let's say, a dirty room or a dirty trailer, right? The, the first thing that you should do is you, you do a quote-unquote dry cleaning, removing the, let's yes. say, the gross particulates, right? Yep. So that, that, that typically is done. Um, some people, like, for example, in trailer washing, they do it in a different way. In, in trailer washing, they do cleaning in a, I would say, a two-in-one step, which is, you know, they'll, they, they remove the gross oils, and they'll do, like, a pre-cleaning with a big high-volume hose, right? Yep. And so, you know, doing that, I mean, it, it gives you some removal of organic matter and so on, but it's not perfect, right? In an ideal world, what you want to do is you go in and do the dry cleaning first with, you know, remove the gross oils with a, with a, with a, with a, with a shovel, you know, with a scraper or whatever, right? And then what you would want to do is <clears throat> you'd go in and then you actually apply uh, a detergent, just a regular detergent. I mean, and, and you know, typically an alkaline detergent or, or or any type of, 
you know, people will refer to soap or anything that will, that will, that will, that will clean, that will create foam and clean. Right. And, and after you do that, then you come, then you can come in with a high volume water rinse or, or even a high pressure water rinse and then rinse the detergent off. Right. Now, what you've done is you've removed a, a substantial amount of organic loading from the surfaces. Um, and you've primed your surfaces for maximum efficiency of the disinfectant. So now you come with a disinfectant. Because you have to remember, if you have soils on a surface, even if they're not gross soils, even if it's a soil that isn't you know, highly visible to, to, to us, right? there is still that protective layer of soil possibly preventing the disinfectant from reaching the target organism mm. because that organism is in that soil, right? And so yeah. the, the soil consumes a disinfectant or protects the organism. So that's why cleaning is so, so important, right? Um, and, and I think that's, to me, that'll be one of the biggest things. Just pay more attention to proper cleaning before you disinfect, yeah? That'll, that'll be one thing. The second thing is, and this is in general, is um, paying attention to, and we kind of alluded to this before, but paying attention to not just the equipment that you use to, 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 to clean and disinfect, but I would say beyond the equipment, the training um, of the individuals in charge of cleaning and disinfection, right? And so um, to me, that's the biggest failure mode. In, in cleaning and disinfection in, in the farm in, in the farm environment, right? Is uh, for, for whatever reasons, right? Be it personnel turnover, be it the ability to reach personnel, or you know, the training levels. Um, I, I think in the industry should should receive a little bit more attention. Um, to that effect, it, it's interesting because. Um, you know, with uh, uh, with um, Clipper distribution, we have been looking at that. At um, let's say that gap in training that exists, and at first we've been looking at the highest um, risk part of the production chain, which is the transportation piece, right? Mm -hmm. And we've actually come up with a. A very neat, I, I would say, you know, not because I participated in it, but it's actually a very, very neat uh, training program for the uh, personnel that are involved in the cleaning and disinfection of transport trailers. And uh, it takes, it, you know, it, it actually takes the, let's say, the individual through that process that I described, the importance of growth soil, removal, the importance of pre-cleaning, um, and then also some of the finer points on, you know, ensuring that you have the right concentration of disinfectant, ensuring that your technique is such that you're not wasting disinfectant, um, that you're actually applying it correctly to all the surfaces, and then things that get lost as, okay, the importance of cabin uh, cleaning and disinfection, not just the trailer, but also the cabin is very important to ensure that, you know, you're, you're sort of eliminating potential sources of contamination there. So, so in general, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very neat program. Um, I definitely recommend uh, uh, anybody who's out there to, to, um, to take a look at that. 
Um, uh, but definitely, yes, to me, that's the second point is, is the overall area of training and cleaning and disinfection could, could certainly do with some improvement. Gotcha. So with that, so if ca- the cabins, uh, when you think about an office and a cell farm, how, how important is cleanliness in that office in regards to keeping the rest of the farm clean of transmission? Is that an overlooked area? Do you think at times? Yeah, I, I would, I would say so for sure. And, and, and I, I think one of the things that came with the COVID pandemic was a general awareness of, um, let's say infection transmission, right? And it was actually a good opportunity to talk about that particular, uh, area in the farm as, 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 potentially an area for infection transmission as well. And so like the importance of hand washing, for example, right? So because, you know, the hands of the workers are also, just like they are in human health, the hands of the worker in the farm could also be an important vector for transmission. So, you know, the importance yeah. of, of, of hand washing, the importance of uh, boot decontamination, or at, le- or at least, you know, making sure that the boundaries are kept uh, intact between uh, you know, the, 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 let's say the Danish perimeter, um, that that's also important, but in general, like the, 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 the regular cleaning and sanitation of the, uh, common areas for the employee, the tables, you know, um, uh, those type of things, especially hand touch surfaces. Right. Um, and then the other, the other area, which is also key is the supply room, um, uh, area. And, if you ask me, Matthew, about one of the one of the areas where I am not completely satisfied with with that there exists a, a suitable solution, it would be the decontamination of supplies that are going through the supply room, right? So, mm. whereas you know, I mentioned that in general, the disinfection, cleaning disinfection of a farrowing room or a trailer, and so on. I, I think you know, if you actually if you actually have properly trained personnel and you follow kind of the, the methodology that exists, I think, I think, you know, you, you can minimize the risk, but in the supply room, it's a little bit more difficult because there's a common tendency to use fogging, for example, which, I mean, there are many, many studies now showing how inefficient fogging is. There's been some attempts at creating some devices, uh, coming in with physical disinfection methods like UV and none of these things are, are are um in my view effective and i think the the literature kind of proves that in my view the the most effective way of doing this but then you have to ask yourself is it practical but the most effective way is actually uh having an individual responsible for the disinfection and i would say disinfection through wiping of all the supplies that are coming makes sense but then again yeah, but then again, you can argue. Well, you know, if the if the individual isn't properly trained in wiping, he'll miss a certain. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but I think that if you know, especially if there is an effective way of oversight, I think that that probably is better than fogging. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. What about disinfectant rotation? I know some places hop between one disinfectant to another to try to kind of shake things up. What uh, What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so so disinfectant rotation is is interesting because there's a lot of debate about that. 
um, not just in this industry, but also in the pesticide industry, I mean, uh, in the clean room industry. So, the, you know, every industry where, let's say, control of, of, of disease or, or, or microorganisms is important has this thing about rotation. Yeah, rotation is the best thing. I haven't found scientific literature that one way or the other concludes that there is a benefit. Okay. Um, so I would chuck it up to one of those, um, let's say, you know, old wife sales, if we can say that, you know, I don't know. Um, but, but, but when you think about how that came about, it actually makes sense, right? So, it, so if you are using a disinfectant uh, that doesn't have what I call a broad spectrum, in other words, that doesn't kill effectively equally all types of organisms, then you can see why there would be a case to rotate because, you know, just give, let's give you an example. If you're using a quartz disinfectant, right? And quartz are traditionally known not to be as effective against gram-negative bacteria, right? So in your farm, you're using a quad all the time. That's all you use. That's all you use, right? So you're controlling gram-positive. You're controlling enveloviruses. But you're not controlling as effectively gram-negatives, right? And so, you know, you will have sort of a quote-unquote selection, if you will, that will favor gram-negatives. So at some point, you're going to have all this strong population of gram-negatives in your environment because you've always been using a quad, which is weak against gram-negative, right? And so then it makes sense. Okay, so now let's rotate. So now let's bring something that is effective against gram-negatives, and we'll use that for a while to cut down on the gram-negative population that, that developed over the last three months, right? So, so that makes sense, right? So the argument is, well, why not use a disinfectant that has a broad spectrum of efficacy, in other words, that is equally effective against all organisms, okay? And is not, let's say, documented to um, uh, to uh, produce or to to allow resistance to develop in organisms, right? And so examples of that would be chlorine, right? Because chlorine is a very strong oxidant. There is no; it has a strong, um, uh, a broad spectrum of activity against everything, right? It just it just it just completely destroys everything because it oxidizes, right? And unless exposure is to very low continuous level of chlorine, no organism is able to develop a resistance, right? And so, yeah, okay, there has been documented cases of resistance development, but it's to very low continuous levels of chlorine, which in nature that doesn't happen because chlorine is unstable by definition. You know, after a few hours, its half-life is very low, it's gone, so no, no organism is going to be exposed to very low levels of continuous chlorine in the environment, right? So another example of that is hydrogen peroxide. So my argument is, why go into the complexity of rotation? Which, by the way, rotation also increases the likelihood of not using the right concentration because maybe you're using a quad-based product at one ounce yeah, per gallon, right. and now you rotate. Yeah, now you rotate to a phenol that is supposed to be used at two ounces per gallon, but nobody goes back and changes the injector, right? So. To avoid all that stuff, why not use a disinfectant that has a broad spectrum, and um, uh, and, and therefore is is is, is uh, addressing all types of organisms, and so therefore you don't have to you don't have to go into that change. Right? That's my so, point. Is there is there value 
in let's say disinfecting um with a more of a broad spectrum rinsing and then disinfecting with something that that's different or a cost aside and labor aside which it might not be practical but it, instead of rotation is there value in doing two different types of disinfectant each time uh, yeah that's a that's certainly another approach yes um the the only thing that you have to make sure if you decide to do that uh is number one that in your first if in the first call it disinfectant that you're using you probably want something that has high detergency as well okay remember back to our conversation of proper cleaning right um so definitely you want to have some proper cleaning unless you want to have three steps where you have a cleaner a detergent first then disinfectant number one then disinfectant number two right so yeah so i then the, then the other thing is that that is important is you have to make sure that your disinfectant number one is is not incompatible with your disinfectant number two okay oh. so in other in other words just to give you a real world example right so if you let's say if your disinfectant one was a quad right and your disinfectant two was an anionic uh something like intervention for example okay which is based so on an anionic quad what's an example of a quad if anionic is intervention what's an, an example of a quad so for example something like uh synergize, synergize. That, that, okay. that that has a quad right so you watch with so what happens, first and ingredient second is the example right so let's say yep. you're doing you're doing synergize first and then intervention second right so the 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 reason i would be concerned about that and i would say probably you don't want to do that is because uh synergize is based on a quad which is a positively charged um molecule okay and intervention is based on anionic detergents that are negatively charged molecules right mm -hmm. and so when those two come together those two molecules will find each other and basically neutralize each other and now you're left with no disinfectant power okay which by the way by the way that also applies let's say if you're using a detergent as you're cleaning okay and your detergent is what we call an anionic detergent like for example um barnstorm okay okay a very popular detergent, oh, right? no. so let's say so let's say you're using barnstorm <laughs> as your detergent cleaner right and, and you don't do a good job rinsing off okay and now you come in with synergize which is a quad base okay I, i'm just using the brand names yeah, just yeah no this is because people know them right yes it helps but but but, I, but i'm focusing on the on the science right so so you're using barnstorm first it's an anionic anionic means negatively charged detergent right and now you don't do a good job of rinsing that detergent off. or better 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 still you're pressed for time and you're like you know what no nah, nah, we're not gonna we're gonna rinse we're just gonna disinfect right now when you come in with a synergize positively charged remember you had those negatively charged detergent molecules on the surface now you come in with a positively charged disinfectant that they will be neutralized by the detergent and you won't be killing anything so so if you're going to use an anionic detergent like barnstorm and you're going to follow it with a cationic disinfectant like synergize make sure that you're rinsing in between very very well that is that is super helpful i, I 
I wouldn't have thought about it that way. So can you talk a little bit here before we close off, just a little bit of a plug here on uh, intervention. Can you talk about why intervention is uh, quite quite possibly the best disinfectant available right now to producers? I, I like it. I, I I got synergized in my eye once, and that was the most painful experience, and I saw that intervention was a little safer, and, and I liked it for that. But can you talk a little bit about the science that sets it apart? Yeah, sure. So the, the, here I take you back to our original uh, intent in developing the technology. And remember, we were always focusing on, on the human hospital, right? And one of the biggest issues in the human hospital uh, was occupational exposure to chemical disinfectants and all the issues that was generating in the, in the, in the workers in the hospital. Matter of fact, at the time, one of the uh, active ingredients that was most popular in the hospital environment is a chemical called glutaraldehyde, which, by the way, uh, um, glutaraldehyde is also very, very much in use in the farm environment. Um, uh, started out in Europe many years ago with the development of the original uh, virocid, actually, um, um, uh, uh, by, by a company in Belgium. Now, we were talking about Belgium earlier, SID lines. And they were using glutaraldehyde quat mixture, right? And so um, this happens to be one of the more popular technologies in our, in our farm market, um, the, this, this quat glutaraldehyde mixture. Um, you'll, you'll find that in Viracid, you'll find that in Synergize. Um, but anyway, glutaraldehyde was one of the biggest disinfectants in use in hospitals. And at the time, in the UK, they banned the use of glutaraldehyde disinfectants in hospitals because there was an uproar by the uh, uh, Nurses um, Association um, campaigning against the use of glutaraldehyde because the, the mounting evidence in the scientific liter literature pointed to glutaraldehyde as a uh, respiratory sensitizer. In other words, if you're if you're constantly exposed to glutaraldehyde in your job, a lot of people would develop asthma, um, and so it, it was actually banned from the hospital environment in the UK. Um, here, we're we're not to that point, but there's since that time. I'm talking 1998. Since that time, the amount of literature documenting. Uh, exposure to glutaraldehyde and development of asthma in workers has more than quadrupled, right? And so this is more or less accepted, you know? yeah. Um, and so when we saw that in the hospital environment, we said, we would like to design something that doesn't pose any type of occupational safety issues to the workers. That was our guiding principle, okay? And that's where we said, okay, uh, aside from that, we don't want to have something that um, could be uh, that 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 organisms could develop resistance to, because also at the time there was a lot of scientific uh, literature on the development of resistance to quats, which was the other um, active prevalent in hospitals. So you know we got quats and we got glutaraldehyde as quote unquote, in my view, the bad actors, right? And um, so we try to get around those issues, and that's how we came up with this. I call it a synergistic mixture because when you look at the individual ingredients, 
um, and you and you just add it to you add up their 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 biocidal efficacy, it doesn't add up to the actual result that you get from the mixture. That's why you call it a synergistic mixture. So that's how we that's how we came up with it. So so something that was let's say the gold standard in hospital disinfection as far as safety, as far as uh, lack of resistance development. Um, uh, translated very well to the farm environment. So I mentioned that before, you know, I said the two environments are very different. For example, you know, in, um, in hospitals, uh, you, 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 uh, you want uh, surfaces to remain wet for five minutes because you're using a spray, a trigger spray, right? And so that was a key consideration. In farms, it doesn't matter because in farms, you're flooding the surfaces, right? I mean, you have a lot of time um yeah. with with the surface wet right but anyway but but safety was always safety is important in the hospital safety is important in the farm i mean that to me that's 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 the biggest thing and to me that's the most important feature of the technology you know it allows animals to be safe it allows the users to be safe and so yeah that's that's the key well, I appreciate you coming on the Popular Pig podcast to share your knowledge around biosecurity and disinfectants. It's been fun to get a different perspective. And we hit on a couple of points that you usually don't hear people talk about that I uh, hope people can walk away uh, uh, positively about. So thank you very much for being a guest. Thank you. Thanks to you, Matthew. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.